0: ¡Nintendo! Offices in San Francisco. Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat. I am your host Jose Otero. Uh, with me this week, Brian Altano. I like how you do that, by the way. It sounds like we're uh, coming in live from like a, a radio tower somewhere. I, yeah, it's all for my ego. That's yeah. what it is. All right, <laughs> and uh, joining us this week, very special guest Stephen Lin.
1: Great. <laughs> no, it's great to be here. Thank you very much. So Hi, Stephen. Fo- hey, What's how are you up? doing? <laughs> yeah.
0: For folks who don't know who Stephen is, Stephen uh, is uh, currently works at Gree. He's a yes. GM there. Uh, but more importantly, the reason we asked Stephen to be here was because Stephen is actually a collector. Um, very much like a guest we had on the show a few uh, weeks ago, Mike Micah. Stephen has a very special, rare collection of amazing stuff. Some of it is actually on the table right now, and we're going to spend some time talking about. Um, and it, it's, I can't wait to hear your stories, sort of, as someone who is dedicated to not just collecting but preservation and making sure that the stuff sort of finds its place in the, you know in, in museums and whatnot.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to share those stories and you know I heard the podcast with Mike and Happy to
2: contribute here. And you're like, I could beat that guy. I
1: can beat that guy. Oh, yeah, well, I don't have the you know prototypes for the for the carts. Sure, uh, but you know, I can I can try. Yeah. Okay.
2: No, fair enough.
0: All right. So uh, let's start with a little bit of news this week. So uh, first, really quickly, let's begin with uh, the biggest story. Actually, this week was about uh, Dan Edelman. So Nintendo of America's indie boss, uh, who's been with the company nine years, uh, quit on Monday. Or I guess he quit Friday, but announced on Monday that. He had left the company yeah. and he would start using his Twitter account again. Uh, for those who don't know what the big deal was, but why he was off Twitter, apparently um you know, there was a bit of tension and conflict because uh, you know, as part of a bigger corporate company, you know, he had agreed with something that wasn't on message and apparently was recommended to not tweet as much. It was the region locking, right? Yes, yeah. it was a region locking mm-hmm. issue, which uh, you know, if you know what the region locking is, it is basically locking, you know, a device to a region like America has Games that only play in that region—they don't play in Europe or in Japan, etc. Yeah, it's kind of an old practice. No one, no one really does it as much anymore.
1: No, and I think you just said, "I feel
0: your pain." Was
1: yeah. you just commiserated
0: yeah. with someone complaining about it.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's it's, it's odd silent. to me because
2: I remember like growing up. You you know you would buy a Nintendo system or really most consoles, and you'd read about stuff that was happening overseas, and you would like, I really want to get that game. And yeah, you you'd got get, excited. You'd hunt down these really crazy magazines that would have this like import page in the game back. fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And there'd be this phone number, and it would be like, oh, you can get you, you know. Uh, a game that's like two Final Fantasies before the one you have now and then you saw the price tag it was, like right. a hundred, it was like $100 <laughs> or $110 because <laughs> games weren't cheap back then either mm-hmm. um, regular I, uh, regular games were like you know $60, $70, 80 $90 all the time so that you would see something and, so, and you'd go I want to import that but I don't know if I'm going to like you'd be like I have a Japanese friend at school but my mom's not going to let me uh, have him live with us right. <laughs> for yeah. the next six months while well, I more I
0: play. importantly she's not going to let you spend 80 to to $100 no way on uh, no a way game I imported Street Fighter 2 Thank you for yeah.
2: Super
1: Famicom and in there was instructions on how to break the tabs off so that I could put it in the oh really oh mess. from the
0: place you had ordered yeah oh so wow it, it was
1: like yeah here's how you how you actually fit this cartridge in so, because it won't so the, did the, the, you take
0: them off the, you took them off the system itself right on the Super Nintendo yeah on the Super, yeah, Nintendo? On the Super yeah. Nintendo there's
1: two like plastic tabs and yes. it said like oh you know you can buy a screwdriver and get it or you can just take a screwdriver and hammer and like, yeah, break yeah, them yeah. off which is what I did and <laughs> it feels I mean your dad's like what are you
0: doing so I, this? I wish I would have followed that advice So there was. Uh, I grew up in the Bronx, and uh, there's this uh, strip of stores um, called Fordham Road where uh, there is an occasional mom-and-pop video game store that would have an import section. Yeah. And they had like a, I think the game it was at the time, I was really into Dragon Ball Z, so it was like Dragon Ball Z, Super Batodon 3, or something like that. One of the fighting games, which they're ridiculous. But anyway, I did not realize that you can just rip the tabs out of Super Nintendo, and so mm-hmm. I just burned holes in the cartridge instead for oh, the tabs. Yeah, <laughs> well, so, you know, a soldering yeah. iron
2: will make those yeah. notches, oh, well, I didn't right? have a soldering oh, iron. Yeah. I made it good with actually... like a
0: hammer, a screwdriver, it just, I it made was a the mess. Same thing Shavings I mean...
2: everywhere. The N64 was. The, I think they flipped the script, where instead yep. of having the the tabs on in the system, they put they them on the, the on the on the cart. Right. And I had imported a cart, and I got it, and I was just like, dunk damn it. (laughs) And I started looking it up online, and like, you know, bear in mind, online back then was like 12 sites. IGN was one of them somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like news groups. Yeah, it was like like news groups and BBCs and all stuff like that, or uh, bulletin boards. And I I took my mom, my mom was an architect, and I stole her X-Acto blade, and I sat there for like two hours one afternoon, whittling whittling off (laughs) these little plastic (laughs) corners, like these little, little bricks. And then you shoved it in there, and it worked. And you're like, god damn it, why would I even have to do this all right. and i was like you know i used to think growing up it was like oh they have totally different technology than us in japan no they don't they just put some extra plastic on there right. no, but, but they it got was. the
0: cool stuff first they got the systems first they got the games sure. first right. i remember too. um thank god when my mom bought me uh captain commando imported which i don't know why she bought it i think she just said oh i know you like things from japan and so it was kind of her best effort and yeah. i didn't care for captain commando but i was also like I, I didn't want to show that so I was like oh no that's fine that's great but she got me an adapter which was more important so I was oh, like great the honeybee family <clears throat> the oh, adapter yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, just yeah. the cartridge in the cartridge and right. then you just yep. pop it in and you're good the sonic um, and knuckles joint so yeah it, <laughs> yeah. it came yeah pretty much yeah. the tower of power you can build that um, but anyway that, that's sort of a quick recap of what region locking has led us to do Ooh, yes <laughs> um Whereas today, uh, I guess because of like digital sales, if you want to be there day and date, I guess uh, like one thing I did right before I got this job is I bought an import 3ds mm-hmm. uh, from Japan. so you know because of an eShop, I can buy things, but unfortunately that's all that'll play right, and, right. or you have to import cartridges to like play Asia or something. Um, so yeah, he sympathized and, and it set up a situation where they asked him to not tweet anymore. He's gone now. He wants to do more of biz development, which is smart, I think, because indies sort of need that support, right? I mean, uh, you know, as as someone who works with uh, a company that sort of handles video games or, or makes games, like, I mean... Does that make sense, sort of, to you? Like, just having sort of a biz dev guy who can help drive a product like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we're a bigger publisher, um, especially in Asia, so uh, uh-huh. you know, we have kind of that distribution and everything else. Um, for the indies, we do work with a lot of them, um, and in you know some cases, we'll do investments or we'll have PMs work with the, with their group, um, really just to show them the ropes. Yeah. Um, especially on the mobile side, so it's kind of the wild west. Mm-hmm. I think for, um, on the console side, you know, you have people who. Very creative, uh, but they need to understand, excuse me, the uh, the business part um, or, you know, here are some things that you might need to do to change that design
0: in order to fit the market that you're trying to target. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so, I mean, it's a win for Indies because someone with that much experience, I mean, uh, Dan's history, he came from the original Xbox, I believe, he worked at Microsoft for a while, and then he, uh, I think he was a part of Xbox Live, and then he went to Nintendo, and he's been there for nine years, Yeah, and in nine years, there has been change, remember when when uh, sort of WiiWare started? And sort of that shovelware period, or DSware and that shovelware period, and then slowly you saw things like World of Goo hit. You saw, you know, other games sort of come along. Leading up to even, like, Shovel Knight was was a huge win for them, a more recent win for them. Um, And there's some policy changes. There's some important ones that he helped bring about, one of them being one that we were just laughing about right before we started recording. In order – there was a time where in order to be a Nintendo independent developer, you had to work – uh, anywhere but your home. You have yeah. to basically work in an office. You had to
1: have an office and they were doing things like Google
0: Street Viewing
1: to make sure that it was an actual office when you put in what? your address. and things It like was that.
0: someone's <laughs> job
1: to
2: do that. Yeah. Like an indie cop. <laughs> yeah. That seems so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's
0: like, I mean, why regulate where ideas come from, right? I mean... Yeah. And more importantly, uh, I I guess it was their bid to try and deal with established developers, but I don't think they realized some established developers. That trend really started. I want to say, you know, mid to late 2000 where like people, you know, sort of left big companies, you know, guys like Jules who left big companies to start yeah. Renegade Kids, start Absolutely. their own thing. Mm-hmm. And then they found, hey, we can be just as effective making a game working remotely. Mm-hmm. And everyone works from home. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious to see if this leads to more independent titles um, going to the Nintendo platform
1: now that he doesn't have to stay on message on everything. Yeah. So he can really tell them how it really is, mm-hmm. um, work with developers and say, all right, well, if you want to do, you know, Wii U or, or WiiWare, here's probably the best way to do it rather than whatever the script said on uh, yeah. Nintendo.
2: Yeah, and I think it's probably, you know, it's, it's obviously a big loss for Nintendo, but yeah. it's also, um, he did pave a lot of roads for them, so hopefully they, they find someone or they themselves take sort of take the baton from here. Mm-hmm. and keep it going. I don't think this means the end of indies on Wii U. I do think that there there's going to be some bridges that need mending
0: yeah. and stuff And, like and that, he said as much, too. He said, like, you know, there's there's a good team there who's still sort of yeah. fighting the good fight for this. So, yeah, no, I agree with both points. Cool. Um, So, definitely... I, I
2: do miss the days where you could just buy a, a cartridge and... and Stick yeah. it in your system and play right. it though. Yeah. Well,
1: you know, PlayStation. Then you had to buy that thing that held down the spring and the switch, <laughs> right? Or you, yeah. or you did the
0: adventurous thing and held it down yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. right. I was, I was yeah. doing yeah. that. Yeah, but we Nintendo, Nintendo for, for a
2: while. I mean, I think it was even up to the the Nintendo DS. Uh, I was imp- I was importing Japanese games. I imported Electroplank Yeah, from Japan. yeah.
0: No, that was region
2: free. Yeah. And then one day, you know, it, that just stopped. Well, well DSi happened. A, yeah,
0: yeah. Once DSi happened, all and the they firmware started. stuff. it was like the
1: R4s and everything popped open. So they just like, well, we need to shut this down. Somehow,
0: yeah. Oh god, pirates are in it for
2: everyone, basically.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, just really quickly, though, one thing that uh, also was making the round, So apparently, he participated uh, in. Uh, it's Ask.fm, right? Yeah, it's kind of good.
1: Just like a Quora, or you know, just was answering questions from yeah. people. Mm-hmm. and
0: And one question was sort of asking about Nintendo's situation, and I think the context was if they deserved to be in it or something like that. But he basically answered and said, "No, the platform has some great games. He does feel that the the sort of the justification for the gamepad and what it is hasn't happened yet. But then he said he thought the name was abysmal. Uh, the name Wii U was abysmal. Uh, I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but um and that that killed half the sales right there. And I don't know if I agree. And I'm just curious how you guys feel. Like, is the name the problem with Wii U? Um, it, it well. So the name. The name is the target that gets the most
2: hits on it, right? Because I think so. Was the gamepad? Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that's that was. It, it was an easy. It's an easy thing to blame because it was confusing. But I honestly feel like their their branding uh, was is is the real issue here. Like, and from the jump, it was very tough to differentiate between a Wii and a Wii U, not really knowing from the outside. We all knew, obviously. But right. if you're a parent that walks in the store and was just like. What is this? You know, like the, when you look at the PlayStation Four and the PlayStation Three, there's a strong different, uh, you know, difference there where you have a, there's a numerical value attached to it. Um, it feels like a sequel. Like no one goes, you know, do, you know, do my Avengers Two theater tickets work to see Avengers One? Like it doesn't work like that. <laughs> but people saw the Wii U and they're like, I don't know what this means because you know we're in this era now where you know your 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 iPhone it changes every single year, but sometimes it's like a five or a 5S, and sometimes it's like a four G or whatever, and you know little little things like that. And like, what accessories work? Won't what what doesn't? Like, does my charger still work? Does my does this still work? Do all my apps carry over? Does so my P- Bose speaker that I spent like five hundred dollars yeah. on still work? Answer no. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of a lot of things are up in the air like that now, and I don't think they really nailed that. And w- in their commercials for the Wii U, they showed people playing with Wii remotes, and it just Further confuse things. So the Wii U is a bad name. I'll give it that. It's one we all got used to now. It's fine. Um, but their branding really was, was the main problem. And right. I think their price. You know, There was a lot going on there. Sure. I do have an argument, though, not to hijack the mic. Sure, But I have a feeling that if the PS4, the Xbox One, and the Wii U had all launched on the same day, I think the Wii U would be doing a little better. Than it did in its first year. You think
0: so? Even though the tech, dis- the, the the tech difference was there, I think that was less of an issue. Of we were starved for
2: a new console, the Wii U came out and it wasn't as new as we wanted it to be. And then the PS4 and the Xbox 1 came out and those weren't as new as we wanted them to be either. None of those systems had games for almost the first year, you know. Yeah, I mean, right. a lot of those struggled from the same problems that Wii U had, but the Wii U became the scapegoat for that for those three consoles because and a whipping boy because it went through those problems first. Mm. And because it didn't have the chance to go toe-to-toe with everybody else who also really didn't have much. I mean, my first year on Xbox 1, like I played Rise I played Dead Rising 3. There was some interesting things there, you know, like but nothing that really like kept me going for the whole year. Now it's kind of collecting dust, and I'm sure it'll turn I'll turn it on when, you know, Quantum Break and a whole bunch of other games come out. But there wasn't a lot going on there. And I would say that the first year of titles on Xbox One and the first year of titles on Wii U and first year of titles on PS4, they're all kind of neck and neck. Like I don't really see anything really standing out Mm -hmm. there. But the Wii U got the brunt of all the hatred from everybody because it was the first one out the gate and we wanted something new we were starved for something after eight years with the same old systems sure. and here we are what do you think steven
1: yeah well the wii u is uh, the name is a problem but it's not their biggest problem yeah and i would yeah. agree that yeah a lot of it was the branding they didn't even show the system when they announced it. They showed the the uh, gamepad and that was about it. And like, oh, in that box under the TV is mm-hmm. the actual box and we couldn't tell if it was a Wii that was sitting underneath the te- yeah. television. Um, you know, game support has been bad. I think it's interesting you bring up if it came out at the same time as the Xbox One and the PS4 and this is going to be a bad comparison, but it's kind of like the, when the TurboGrafx-16 or Turbo Duo was part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, you were talking about, hey, here's Super Nintendo, here's Sega Genesis, and here's this third system the turbo graphics and we're kind of putting we're we're doing comparisons and putting it in there even though it's a very different system and doesn't have nearly the same power Um, Mm -hmm. but you know there's there's much more awareness and now all you hear is Xbox One and, and PS4 and so you know Wii U pops in every once in a while um, mm-hmm.
2: as part of the conversation. It is odd how uh, after the NES, the Super NES, the N64, the GameCube, and the Wii, which was five of the most striking, incredible uh, physical console designs I've ever seen, they came out with the Wii U where the actual console itself is such an afterthought. I yeah. mean, that uh, to me, I, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm an adult. I take my consoles, I put them in an entertainment center. I close the doors on them. Sometimes Mm. I open them up to let them breathe. Like my PS4 is loud as hell. It gets hot in there. Um, but I don't. It's it's sort of secondary to me. But then I saw the console design for the Xbox One and the PS4, and I'm like, these are really slick and really well thought out. And with one's Nintendo, a big
0: VCR, the other is a sleek, futuristic. Yeah. yeah. Thing.
2: But with Nintendo, um, and I'm not saying the Xbox One is gorgeous or anything. But mm. a little more work was put into that. No, I agree. U, you, when, right. you, when, when you you see you kind of round it off, yeah, it's right. just yeah, you see it on a that, shelf
0: and it's it's sort of simple, but it's painfully simple. You almost right. want it to look a little different and then, right. and, when, and especially when you see it side by side with a Wii you could almost confuse the two I mean the minute you see one doesn't have round edges and one does you know oh I know what that is but th- when you see circular ads where someone puts a Wii U gamepad next to an effing w- a Wii you go yeah. oh like they got that wrong yeah. I mean
2: I, I think the Wii uh, you know it's a cheap trick they put it on this little plastic skateboard ramp right but it looks so slick how it was just like Oh, like it's popping out and it's on this angle, and you walk in a room and it's vertical and it's white, and you're like, there's something ver- really special about this. Came with the vertical stand? Yeah, yeah. yeah like, I mean, there was a lot of cool stuff going on there. And with the Wii U, it was sort of just like, Here's this fat box, hide it wherever you want to hide it. Right. You just put it out of sight. But yeah. focus on the game pad. And yeah, I, I think that was kind
0: of a yeah, mistake. I, I would focus their problems more on it just being a software problem where I do feel like from month to month I'm still just not having enough games to play. And I work in media where, you know, we're usually flooded with things to do. And yeah. when I you know, when I notice granted, I'll play my Nintendo games for a long time. But I just started playing Mario Kart 8 again uh, this week, actually, Mm -hmm. for the first time in a while. And I was like, wow, I haven't used this system in a bit. But then it hits me, oh, that's why. Like, the next big release isn't until September. And that's something that, although Nintendo is, you know, trying to leverage, like, the eShop as a way to have more games available, and that's great. And the Virtual Console exists, and that on paper is great. um, It's just still not coming into alignment for me. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, but that's that's why the indie stuff is so important because the indie stuff is what pads out your 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 big tentpole events throughout mm-hmm. the year, right? And I mean, I'm I'm playing The Last of Us on PS4 right now, and that's great, but before that, I was playing, you know nothing but indie games like every single month playstation plus they're like here's two free games and it's games like fez it's games like road not taken it's games like doki doki universe or whatever Mm -hmm. like these are not games that people are like rushing to stores to get when when people write lists of all the best games coming to consoles these are not the games people talk about but these are the games that should be on wii u because that's the type of thing that is sort of synonymous with keeping people playing your console in the months there aren't a new Mario and Mm -hmm. there aren't a new Zelda game.
0: Even uh, if you look at uh, at one point, and we'll probably end with this point, but uh, Microsoft turned having really strong indie titles in the summer into an event. It was the summer of Arcade. And for the most part, it typically delivered. I think maybe last year was the first year I didn't hear quite as much buzz come out of it. But when you thought of like, okay, they let off a braid, and then they went into something else and they went to something else. And all those games were rad. Castle Crash is another year, I think. Shadow Complex. Yeah, Yeah. another great example. Um, There were just really good offerings there. And and turning it into an event and turning that into the story really helped get people excited. Whereas, oh, this really good game is out is not quite the same story Yeah, and it's not quite the same focus. And I
2: think there's like, it, it's kind of like it's almost yeah. more justifiable to play those games on Nintendo platforms for a number of reasons. Well, One, Shovel Knight for sure. Shovel Knight, of You course, have to play yeah, that on It yes. just feels like a right. Nintendo game, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it borrowed from those roots and then built upon them in such a clever way. Yeah. Um, but it's also like, I can justify a little easier when I play a game like that on a Nintendo console rather than like, you know, you bought a $400 or $500 supercomputer console to play 1001 spikes. that looks like an NES game. Yep. I mean, that's a little right. That's a harder pill to swallow. Granted games are games and games are fun Man, and I love I don't
0: I love games of, of all calibers. A good game is a good game no matter where you play it. But right. some but yes, people,
2: you know, if you sometimes. bought if you bought this system to show it off to people of what it can do and your you know, your pe- friends or neighbors
0: are coming over, check out what the PS4 can do. Well, it thousand can play any
2: spikes. <laughs> <thousand> <laughs> ones, ones. plays NES games in HD. Right. Yeah. All right.
0: Okay. Okay, so uh, moving on, there is an update coming to Mario Kart 8, and not one Mercedes, not two Mercedes, but three <laughs> Mercedes-Benz. That's it's that Doctor Mario money. As, yeah. Uh, as, yes. As, it's uh, like an episode Altano of the Real Housewives. <laughs> it is. Um, so let's see, Mercedes Kart DLC and game update will launch August 27th. Mm-hmm. Same date as Japan. So this mm-hmm. is gonna. It looks like it's gonna be a global uh, deal. So uh, let's see, it's the GLA. 1934 W25 Silver Arrow Formula and a Mercedes-Benz new compact SUV. Oh no, that's the GLA. Yeah. Oh, and there's a roadster, sports right. car. That's it. The mm-hmm. 1957 300 SL. I think it's ridiculous, but whatever. I'll take it. I have griped about this before where I'm like, I didn't think Mario Kart needed real-life cars. Um the trailer made it look fun. I will admit to that seeing Luigi kind of hanging onto his hat for dear life on on a I think he was on the roadster. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, I'm like whatever uh, and if anything this just inspires hope after this update the update fixes a number of things actually just next track the, yeah, uh, next, next race yes, <laughs> right? that is the thing. so that needed night. to be fixed so I, I was <laughs> a crazy person when
2: I was complaining no, about this. here he, uh, don't do the highlight I <laughs> <putting> <laughs> that, <laughs> hit the button to go to the next race see,
0: I argued with people they listened like, to yeah, us yeah, I argued with people and said you know why that highlight is first I was like because they want you to see it like you know how good those graphics are like yeah. they want you to appreciate it but after you're fifth or tenth time accidentally hitting next highlight instead of next race, I get why people got angry. So those two switch. Uh, There's going to be stat tracking now, so you're going to be able to see how many coins you have. Maybe win-loss. Win-loss is going to be atrocious for some of us. Brian. And (laughs) uh, Let's see. You can also... Save your last card customization, or you can edit other people's highlight reels. So yeah. if Brian ever updates, uh, uploads a highlight reel yeah. on Wii U, which I've been waiting for, just to see what kind of skills <laughs> Low the man has. Reel. Right? Yeah, um, I can then take it and edit it. This is a uh, this is all really
2: cool stuff because it's like I, I feel like Nintendo Nintendo games are finally growing. And not like growing up, but I mean like they're, they're evolving post-release, which was never a thing. If you look at the last Mario Kart game on consoles, Mario Kart Wii, they, it, it came out and it was like it's mostly broken <laughs> goodbye right. and then they just left and then for yeah. years we are like well a they didn't and, patch games no, yeah, right, that was it. it. Yeah, so it's cool to see will. them making little tweaks like this if it has to come with Mercedes cars I'm okay with that I think I still think well, you're it's you're not paying little, for it you're not, right? you're not yeah. paying yeah. for it no. oh, it's fun. a little ridiculous I think that they they patch this stuff in post launch is okay if if Mario Kart 9 comes with like a Mitsubishi Wiggler or like a, <laughs> a Nissan <laughs> Lakitu Cloud <laughs> I'm gonna have problems with that because that's like that's a little too much for me but I don't know I think the dichotomy between these like a, a you know a baby carriage with <laughs> with giant tires going up against a, a a real car like a mercedes a gla it's, just, it's yeah. funny to me man right. It's just funny to me okay. to see a, a dinosaur driving a mercedes yeah, sure. yeah.
1: i mean i i, I think is i never look at the cart anyway yeah. i'm mostly worried about what's flying at me and one position and everything yep. else so it's probably going to get lost in the noise i think it would be interesting if what if it was like N64 Battle Mode tracks brought to you by Mercedes-Benz or something like that. What if, if they you're, if they, you're
0: they... racing on a big Mercedes logo. Well, no, no, I, like it was N64 like they uh. just
1: like, "Hey, here's the Battle Mode tracks am, and it's sponsored by by I'm so pressure.
2: desperate for the N64 Battle Mode tracks that I might be. Okay. Yeah, we were I don't want it. them to hear me "No, right. right. I know." I know. <laughs> it's <not> like, <laughs> it's like I, you know, we'll take a lot for that. Yeah. But the other, I mean, Block 4 brought to you by Mountain Dew like Oh, oh
1: no. I hate it, but uh, I can't wait to ride on it. Well, also um, you know, they're they're kind of patching things in uh, making changes i wonder if they'll do balance changes like increase
0: horn drop rate or something like that yeah yeah, um, yeah. because no one ever gets that yep. yeah um, no, yeah it's yeah. true and then and, um, the common complaint now outside of highlight reel and new game or next race is a uh, fixed battle mode yeah yeah right yeah. and it almost makes you wonder you know is that going to happen or not um and also you know voice chat i guess was the other thing but i guess we all kind of Oh, well, you adaptive. may have the lobby, right? It, it, yeah, I but, guess, yeah, but in the race, it. yeah, you can't yeah. yell anything. All right, the race is about to start. Bye! Yeah, this just <laughs> cuts you off. Yeah, yeah. That but like, this of is how
2: this is how you keep the conversation going around. A game like this, you know, I don't know if Mario Kart Eight is going to have the same legs that its predecessors did, but it could with stuff like this. Like sure. if it's constantly in the press and it's, gamers are, are still playing it and talking about it, like you just started playing Mario Kart again
0: because you read yeah. these news stories. No, right? this was like the day before. I want to yeah. say that I brought it to existence. actually. Oh, good. Yeah, good. that's why good. I was just home. But and like I, I know like, in a few Mario weeks
2: Kart. when this when this update hits, I'm going to spend the whole weekend playing Mario yeah, Kart again. Yeah, be you right. Know? And then if uh, I'll, I'll probably keep playing from there. And if a couple weeks later they're like, here's
0: another new thing. Yeah, and, and keep hope alive for DLC. Tracks, man. Like, I think I, I, I've said on this podcast, I was worried that it's not going to happen only because I'm, I guess, I've grown accustomed to how current sort of publishers handle it, where like within 30 to 45 days, you've heard something is coming later. So, right. you know, to be ready if that's your jam or not. Um, and they haven't said a word. Yeah. Right. Um, but I still think it's happening. If they're gonna go as far as putting in three real-life Mercedes cars in this game, they have to be thinking, okay, we can bring back some retro tracks. We can m- introduce some new tracks. It's interesting though, because I got in an argument uh, with someone at a bar recently over DLC, where uh, um, the the horse gentleman armor or this is a- <laughs> uh, it, well, he, he seemed real cynical towards it, and it's probably because of horse armor, where mm-hmm. he's just like, you know, I'm just sick and tired to get nickel and dimed. I uh, I love this
2: idea of you being at a bar, you smash a bottle on the floor. I didn't smash a bottle
0: on the floor over it. (laughs) I'm so tired of getting nickel and dimed (laughs) over this DLC.
2: (laughs) More more,
0: more importantly, I tried to make the case that, um, because he was trying to argue that he felt Smash would be compromised. Why? Because of Amiibo. And I was like, that's not happening. I was like, Amiibo is going to be a thing where you're going to buy these figures and they're going to have stats and individual leveling and you're going to be able to save custom movesets to it. But, Is the core Smash experience going to lose something if you didn't own Amiibo? Yeah. I would argue it won't because Nintendo has not ever... So far, the entire message doesn't sound like that's going to happen. And I'm trying to explain this, and maybe he had had too much alcohol, but it was not registering. And Mm -hmm. I eventually gave up. But uh, I just didn't agree. I'm just like, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't Don't, think Amiibo is going to... Don't drink and fight about And argue about video games. Yeah, that's pretty much what I learned that night. But... uh, (laughs) I, I just don't think Nintendo's that cynical. I think you, you mentioned they haven't announced anything, uh, you know, for
1: additional DLC. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, they might just be waiting to see how this DLC does. Yeah. Right? How many mm-hmm. players actually do update and play on those tracks because they can track all of that. That's yeah. right. And so it's like, all right, if this is successful, we see another like bump in sales and everything because of this, yep. then all right, then we can continue on that. And, sure. You know, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll do the tracks or whatever. But if, you know, there's all this free stuff and fixes, but nobody cares about
0: it, then why would we invest the time? Yeah.
2: I guess that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I didn't think about that.
0: Absolutely. All right. Cool. So uh, last quick thing we want to talk about is uh, on Monday, there was a Hyrule Warriors Nintendo Direct focused on talking about new modes coming to that game. Adventure mode sounds rad, by the way. Uh, I totally want to to play that. It's weird because uh, we've definitely gone from – ourselves being really cynical towards Hyrule Warriors because it's just, you you kind of go in almost feeling like, this isn't a Zelda, I don't know if I want this, but I feel, like, and we had a discussion last week where they've shown a lot, and I feel with each thing they've shown, they've gotten more and more of my attention. Um, this Direct included where they ended with Ganon is playable, and I think that's cool. Like, I'm i am there for that. If Ganon is the new Lubu, I'm with it. Like, I'll be there, I'll I, play it. I keep it. thinking
2: about this game like it's one of those, uh, it's like one of those, giant buffets in vegas where you're just like i don't know if any of this food's gonna be amazing but there's so much of it <laughs> yeah it's like, <laughs> like
1: yeah, yeah, everywhere you, you turn, gotta try it right yeah, yeah. You, uh, yeah but you
2: gotta try it because it's like you turn over the corner here and you're like oh they got a sushi bar they got pizza over here oh there's so much food i gotta mm-hmm. try it all right um and it's just like you know this is i keep saying this, this is like this mixtape of zelda fan service it's really yeah, awesome but so it's much not
0: like, a zelda game and if you're listening nope. to this podcast griping over that this is somehow related to Zelda. Let it go. Like I think <laughs> once you do that, you may actually like start to realize like, okay, this is an action game that is totally just that Zelda fan service. And if you buy into that, great. That's for you. If you don't, stay the hell away from it. Like, like Dragon it. Quest, Rocket Slime, or something like this. Yeah, offshoot or yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I always say it was like you know this game got a lot of heat when it was the only Zelda console game we knew was happening. Right. And then Zelda for Wii U was shown, and it was like, oh. Okay, well, yeah, I'll you know I'll play this while I wait for that. Like, right. if this was the only thing on the on the table right now, then yeah, I'd be I'd be a little irked. But right now, I'm like, cool. I get to play some weird Zelda action spinoff this fall, and then next year I get to play a Zelda for Wii U. Hopefully, fingers mm-hmm. crossed. You get to play yeah. something new this fall. Yeah. that's the amazing. Exactly. Thing. Oh man,
0: right. uh, Captain Toad. Yeah, that yep. Hyrule Warriors. There's gonna be plenty stuff too. So it'll be interesting. All right, well, we've hit that point in the show. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna spend a lot of time talking to Steven about. His collection, some of the things he brought in, and uh, some of his stories, tips, and advice. More when we come back. Thank you very much. Jose Otero joined by Brian Altano and special guest Stephen Lin. Stephen. Yes. First time I came across and found out who you were, you were tweeting about something I never thought I'd see. Yeah. You were, you were, tw- you were sharing images from a manual. It uh, was sort of, a, I think it was for the Super Nintendo, the CD add-on was just like sort of when they were talking to Sony. Essentially. Uh,
1: So, this was actually uh, part of the Philips um, CD ROM documentation. So, they were shopping it around and and sending it it out to developers. So, I had a through like some of my collecting, I came across paperwork that was basically here's the tech specs for the device, and then here are some of the things that it can do. Um, So, I I didn't, it had actually never been seen um, before. So, I Mm -hmm. just started like scanning pages and posting it on there. Um, and then, yeah, everybody picked it up. Um, but that that's part of, you know, where I am as a collector now is finding things that were probably thrown away in mm. most cases. You know, a developer yeah. went out of business. They just shredded all the paper, right? Yeah. But there's yeah. a lot of inter- interesting information in there, you know, like – I don't think the specs had ever been revealed uh, for the CD-ROM attachment. And so, well, here it is. This is at least what it was supposed to be like with Philips. Who knows when, you know, they were talking with Sony. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah and it, it blew my mind because I never thought I'd see that. And much like everyone who picked it up, it was just one of those, holy cow, this this someone is going out of the way to preserve things like this. And then I did a little more digging and I learned more about your collection, essentially. So I guess I should start with when did you start collecting and why? Uh,
1: well, I don't think, I, I guess... When I defined myself as a collector was probably like early teens, but even as a kid, you know, my first game system was the Twenty Six Hundred, and then went to ColecoVision. I just never got rid of anything, and I always wanted to preserve it. Um, you know, what I usually tell is my parents. Uh, my father was an economist, and my mother was a CPA, and they encouraged me to not only like learn about the games but also the companies that were making them um, wow, so like you know I, i'm i'm the nerdiest like 10 year old looking up stock ticker symbols for the game companies because <laughs> i want to see how they do right yeah. and my dad's mm-hmm. like so who's releasing some great game I'm like let me see and you know a lot of the comes were japanese at the time mm-hmm. um so i tr- i started following the industry as well um and then i got really lucky as a teenager um, I was, well, before I could work legally, I would just mow every lawn in the neighborhood and use all that money to buy video games. Um, but then once i be, you know, was able to work, I worked at a used game store and this was right at that transition between NES and Super Nintendo mm-hmm. and Sega Genesis. So everybody was trading in all their old NES stuff. Oh, and man, yeah. the, the key for me was we had our trade-in list, which was the first time I'd ever seen a full list of every game that probably came out for the NES. Um, mm. and oh, so, that's great. Yeah, yeah, so there was something I could actually check off. Because yeah. up until then, it was just, you know, you go to the Toys R Us giant wall, and like, okay, I got to pull these tags. But then I was like, all right, here's something that I have, and I can actually like look in inventory in other stores um, and just start picking them up. When, so that, when I bought my
2: NES, it came with a book. Yeah. That, uh, I don't know if you know. The Player's Guide. The it's, Player's yeah, Guide. Yeah, yeah. And that was the closest I had to this sort of like uh, – Anthology of having any idea of how many games are on the system, but then Japan and Europe had opened up entire new worlds to that. So, yeah, well, had that, the
1: trade in lists in, in like EGM and yeah. all those other magazines, like those yeah. were helpful. Um, and then once I had a full list, like it was like, all right, now I got to start ticking these off. So that
2: became your personal checklist,
1: yeah. That became my personal checklist, checklist, right? And, and it, sometimes there's things that nowadays are like, why did they? You know, I saw stadium events, I'm like, I already have that one. And, you know, oh, coming yeah. through the store and yeah. didn't pick it up. You know, Flintstones, Surprise at Dinosaur Peak, all those right, really but rare so games. I have, I have a friend,
2: Ryan Scott, right? Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, he's, he's a, a, a huge NES collector. You obviously blow him out of the water. <laughs> but it, it always amazes me, uh, and it, this is something no one can predict. It always amazes me to what games go on to be the ones that, oh, yeah. that be, uh, become the most, like, sought after. Like, Flintstones... Uh, what was it called? So, uh, Flintstones Surprise at Dinosaur Peak. Right. That, so that's <laughs> the game you see when you're 10 and you're in a store and you're like, no way. Yeah. And you keep going. But now, that's one of the rarest NES games yeah. ever made. Panic Restaurant, is this like, chef with a piece of bread in yeah. his hand. Like,
1: what is that? Yeah, I don't want exactly. to play that game. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and the other thing was we would always cut up our boxes so we could do the display box. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, but all these boxes are in such great shape. So, I started, you know, basically keeping all the boxes and manuals as well. Um, and so it's from then that I basically became a complete inbox box collector. Mm. Uh, and then that just continued, right? Like, yeah. I, I, there was ebb and flow, you know, when I got out of college, not a whole lot of money or even in college. Um, but then... Afterwards, they're like okay, eBay starts becoming a thing. Um, I had been doing a lot of training on Usenet newsgroups and yeah, things like yeah, that. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, uh, Classic Gaming Expo was really focused on uh, Atari and, and television and, and things like that. And people would show up at the NES games and like NES. That's not old, and you know, <laughs> at the time, right? Yeah, but mm-hmm. I was able to pick up a lot there. Uh, and then from there, it just kind of grew until where it is now. Um, you know, I completed a bunch of collections, and once those are complete, it's now what's the next step? Like, there's all these ways you can get into, like, oh, three-screw versus five-screw or sealed games or all these sure. other things. So, yeah. so you, uh, men-
2: you mentioned in college you didn't have, obviously you were in college, you didn't yeah. have a lot of money to keep, That uh, I almost called it a habit. It sort of is, yeah. It kind of is, yeah. Uh, I I always say that there's a the 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 line between uh, collecting and hoarding is uh, organization. Yes, absolutely. Pretty much, because otherwise you're just like I'm a collector, and you're like you have a house full of piles. Oh yeah. We're like I'm a collector, and it's like oh you have everything lined up in a row. Right. But did you ever have this moment where you were like. Uh, this is. I'm. I'm getting. Forget this. I'm done. I'm gonna get rid of this stuff. I'm gonna pare down the collection. Just throw away the boxes. They take up too much room. Well, I
1: never got into the throw away the boxes, um, but I have done paring down from time to time. And in fact, I'm kind of in one of those phases now. Um, and this is something that Mike Micah brought up. You know, we were collecting before because nobody else was. The mm-hmm. collecting video games was sounded like a crazy hobby. Um, and now that everybody is collecting. It's pretty easy to get everything. You just want to spend the money. Um, so now it's more, you know, where collect where I feel I'm grateful that I did build this collection because it led me to being offered things like the Super Nintendo CD manual or you know some of the cartridges here. Um, people know that you're a, a collector and you're a serious one, and so things that you know you don't normally come across in flea markets or whatever are going to be offered to you before they go
0: up for sale. Oh, that's, that's awesome! So well. Yeah. So you mentioned completing sets. How many sets did you complete? Would you say? Uh, what, can you just name some? Yeah, I can name some. So, so um,
1: NES uh, complete in box with unlicensed. North America. Um, North America, yeah. Okay, got uh, it. And Super Nintendo, uh, N64, Turbo Graphics. Uh, I had a Saturn collection, but I actually traded it towards uh, the Stadium events that okay. we have in front of us. Got it. Um, things like Vectrex, uh, yeah. Dreamcast with all the variants. Um, Virtual and, Boy. Uh, Virtual Boy, yeah, Virtual okay. Boy. Uh, so I didn't go into the Japanese. I pretty much just U.S. releases. Okay. So got Jack it, yeah. Brothers is the
2: Virtual Boy. One. Was you're like you got to 21 games, You're like I'm set.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like oh yeah. okay. Well, it's, it's a very short set. Yeah, yeah it's. It, with that, I think that's the thing. It's that one in like Turbo Graphics. Everything's oh it's easy, but then you it's it, it gets really hard near the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, there's more games that are worth more money, especially on you know Turbo Graphics 16. Yeah. Sure. So,
2: so how many how many games are in each one of those sets? Like what's in the NES set? Is it
1: NES is a like in like the high 700s Holy. um yeah some people like sort of like debate because there's that stuff like huge insect and and all those other yeah. you know, Satchin games um and then yeah super nintendo's right around the same thing Um uh, so those are big ones dreamcast i think is i want to say 300 so it's it's all yeah. on a rack so like yep, did you ever that, get into yep. like handhelds yeah, so, uh, oh, yeah, com- uh, Game & Watch. I have all of those. Um with Wait, what? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so
0: how many in the U.S.? Wait, uh, well, U.S. So or the, the, Japanese? It's or... kind of a mix, right? It's okay, more like a
1: representation of each one. And the hardest one is obviously the Super Mario Brothers contest. That's um, right. And then uh, I didn't get into the bigger, I guess, Game & Watch you can consider, like, the mini, like, Coleco-like mini arcades. Mm-hmm. I don't have all of those. Okay. Um, for me, it was more like, I remember as a kid, you know, we would travel to Asia, and usually I would get one of those, and... You know, it's one game. It's super simple. It's like two buttons or something. But yeah. I would play the hell out of those. Yeah, those, are, oh, yeah. those are the games
0: yeah. I started on. When there was right. game A and game B, uh, yeah. Some yeah, of yeah. them too. So and it was just a variant in some ways. Wow, that's rad. I yeah. had no idea. The well, I have this weird like. Watch. How many gaming watches is that? Sorry,
1: uh, no. It's, so that's it's around like ninety or so. Oh, wow, uh, yeah. really? Yeah. There were ninety of those. Well, there's like all kinds of like you know variants and yeah. things like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, has yeah. like the crystal screen and, yep. and stuff. So, the um, I think for me, I, for some reason, Octopus whenever I see that, I need to buy it. It's kind of like <laughs> Catcher in the Rye or something. Like Whenever I see an octopus, because like, that was a game I really liked as yeah, a kid yeah. I played the most of. Mm-hmm. And so I have, you know, like, Five or ten of them, I it just like loose boxed, whatever it is. Like maybe something's different about this
2: one, but yeah. yeah. So you have these all in this in this like personal museum of yours. Well, yeah, it
1: um, some of it's in storage right now mm-hmm. uh, because I, I live between San Francisco and Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of have the collection split a little bit, and then um, yeah, it's all cataloged though. So yeah. you know, I
2: how don't... many how how many nights a week do you like you shut off the the light behind you and you're closing the door and you look back and you're like. Damn, I'm good at this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, closing the gate on storage, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> you know, this is. There, I think it's when um, I come across something new, mm-hmm. um, and it's really exciting because you know, early on, I was like, oh, I don't have this game. It's like a checklist, but ne- once there's no checklist. Then it's like finding that next collecting high gets harder and harder. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's like, oh, you gotta find something that doesn't exist and it gets to the point now where, you know, I would wake up at four o'clock in the morning so I could phone bid on auctions that were happening live in Paris. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, figuring out the Euro US conversion and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Sure. Uh, but you know, like I said, right now there's less that I'm kinda of picking up and more of, you know, seeing what, what comes out. Uh, someone announces they have a prototype, if they want to sell it. I'll try to buy that and dump it. Um, it's is kind of the big thing that I'm into right now. I just
0: I love that uh, your parents were involved in sort of setting you some, somewhat on this track. I mean, and they were kind of encouraging you to learn more about the industry. Which well, his dad me. was getting yeah. stock market tips out of yeah,
2: it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At
0: least the
1: Greek, right? I'm like, oh, you should buy these these companies. Um, yeah. You know, it, it was it was a big thing. But yeah, yeah. It, it's you know they're kind of cheap. And then I think it was like more industry. And that's you know nowadays uh, you know, read Blake Blake's book uh, mm-hmm. and and a bunch of you know meeting some of these people. You know, I worked with bernie stoller at google yeah and i was like wow that's the dream and i remember cast, when you did these things yeah. and like why did you get fired the day before the dreamcast came out yeah. and things like that yeah, um, yeah yeah you had to hear all these stories and and so it's knowing the personalities and the people the creators
0: of these yeah. things not just like oh i want to buy this cartridge absolutely yeah wow so uh what are what are some that you have missed out on the ones that got away the ones that got away. Uh, well, they didn't get away for very long.
2: Uh, <laughs> He's like then, the Indiana uh, Jones of yeah, video yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, it belongs to. Yeah, I got Belloc, You know, uh, ship blew up, but I still got my the NWC. Door close w- won't meet
2: again. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty and, much. Right, right.
1: Yeah, you didn't win this time, kid. And, mm-hmm. you know, but um, I, I think when I was. Uh, when I was starting off collecting, uh, there were things that were outrageous to me. Like, for instance, the Nintendo World Championships.
0: Which is sitting on the table. Yeah, which table is sitting for on this folks table, at so home. the table, yeah. so yeah, um, yeah.
1: So I was a semifinalist, actually, in the competition no um, way. in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. And I lost on the stage to you know one of the guys who went to to um, Hollywood, mm-hmm. and it always bugged me because you know I kind of froze up on Tetris and was like no oh, all games like I love yeah. Tetris yeah and so I knew that uh, you know through Usenet and everything I knew that these carts had gone out. But there was really no seller's market, right? There, there was the guy who tracked down the golds, which we can get into in a bit. Sure. Um, but uh, you know, I knew the cartridge was floating out. And so a year or so after I graduated college, I was like, I, I want to buy one of these. And one of them showed up on eBay. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's already up to like $600. This is a ridiculous amount of money. I can't believe I'm thinking about spending this much money on an NES game. And I ended up putting in – I think I tried to snipe it. Like $1,200, $1, which at I the time... Snipers. I hate snipers. That's you. It's totally me, by the way. Yeah, I, I'm not going to deny it's it. It's every time. Yeah, it's me every time. That's how I get this stuff. Um, huh, I need, oh, I would have put it a bid and someone can just see if they No, no I know. No, I mean, it, it was pathetic thinking. <laughs> like, I I want, I'm in it to win it. Um, so, I, you know, I put in a second and I lost. And there was that moment of seeing, you know, the timer tick down and seeing you lost and like, okay. I just put in this insane bid for a Nintendo game and I didn't get it. Like, what do I need to do to get one of these? And um, it was after that, you know, I kind of tracked them and I did end up up, um, getting one from another collector that I had for a very long time. Uh, but then uh, Heather Martin, who uh, was the one of the female semifinalists, um, put hers up for sale. And I, I liked the provenance in her story. Um, plus, the cart was in better condition. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I ended up picking up this one. And then um, I donated the, the one I had to Child's Play. And they auctioned it at the it. Uh, Child's Play. So Jeremy wait, which Ocean.
0: one was her? it's uh, hers? Yes, okay. It's Yes, the gray. So, so how
1: did she get it exactly? She like, won was it. it given so to, she, oh. yeah, she oh. was actually a finalist. Okay. And they handed her the cartridge. So what happened was when the competition ended... Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like Thor and a couple of their parents where that's they right. were like, hey, um, we should like, get one of these cartridges. Yeah. Like, okay, sure. So they gave out the 90 to the finalists there. And that's where the 90 number comes from when everyone says there's 90 gray cartridges. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's definitely more. Right, because they they broke down during the course of this road tour, right, from New York to California, um, and serial numbers go all the way up into like the 300s or so. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there, there's definitely more now. Whether or not they were all destroyed and not working, the the best theory is that they did, you know, the 90 they gave out, and then they took whatever was left working, and then made the golds for the Nintendo Power competi-
0: uh, con- contest. Okay. And this is number eighty-one. I'm yeah. just reading it for folks right here. Um, so, the, what's the story with the gold one then? The gold Nintendo World Championship cartridge. It's the same thing. Yeah, same it's the game. Same game yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, th- I mean, it's. I guess people call it like sort of the
1: holy grail of collecting. Um, it's a Nintendo Power contest that ran after. Uh, Nintendo World Championships, and they said, "Hey, you know, enter to win um, one of these cartridges." And the I think the picture in the ad shows like a red label with the NWC logo on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the actual one they gave out, which is, I, mean, I don't know how well this is going to show up on on mm-hmm. camera, but it, it looks like someone cut it out. Of a piece of paper, you know, with an X-Acto knife, and used a glue stick to stick it yeah. on there. Right? That's that's they totally did. Yeah, which they totally, and, did. Yeah, which they yeah. totally did, right? Yeah, it uh, was yeah. like I was a like, leftover Zelda I, I gold card. I remember kart. that
2: contest, by the way, because I got every issue of Nintendo Power. I remember, right. I remember that distinctly because I had I had a friend uh, in school that came back one weekend and he had the Nintendo World Championships hat on. Right. That they gave out to you know whoever got however far you had to get in that tournament right. to get a hat, or they gave it to everyone who was there. I don't remember <laughs> he might have just been lying to me. Right. Um, but he said he made it pretty far, and I remember being really geeked out, and a bunch of kids in school were just. Like what's that? That's dumb. And I'm like, yeah. you don't
0: understand. He's showing the quality of the print. It's not really that. No, it's yeah. not. I it's mean, very it's... low res. Like, yeah. like take a closer look. Yeah, at that's that.
1: like yeah. early generation inkjet. It printer. looked like it. it yeah. looks like it was printed out on an NAS. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, Yeah, they had it's the really loom, awesome, and then man. they had yeah the yeah. printer yeah. attachment. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this is, uh, you know, tw- they made they released 26 of them, mm-hmm. and then uh, the way that these got out to collectors is there was one very specific collector um, who. On the in the issue where they announced the winners, they announced they showed the name and then their hometown of all the 26 winners. So he went through phone books and called what? everybody on the list, like like those last names, trying to find the winners. Oh my god! And he was able to get, I think, uh, about. Nine of them, I think, it was of twenty-six it was of twenty-six, and so we called like, "Hey, I heard you won the thing." I can't imagine getting this phone this call. Is, like, this <laughs> this needs be a movie, by
2: the way. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: it, so that's and and you know, there's only thirteen of the twenty-six that have been found, and you know, almost all of them came from the same same guy, um, and wow. yeah, so that that's how these got out. And okay. of course, you know, they're they're extremely rare. They very rarely trade change hands. Um, and then, yeah, you
2: because know, now the, people know about them, right? Yeah, yeah, the, everybody stuff. knows about the guy. Them now, all the guys right. on that list were like, "Oh yeah, my dumb kid got the stupid yeah. thing in a concert." You know, 50 at, bucks, a contest, he, yeah, fifty bucks, hundred bucks. So there's actually a, a, a
1: great Nintendo World Championships that became infamous. It was the one that went for like ninety thousand, yeah. for like the closing bid, but yeah. never mm-hmm. paid. But the label's ripped off, and someone wrote Mario in pen. <laughs>
0: I've right? seen that. Yeah, uh, and
1: so it's like. Yeah, it was. It's this Mario game that's kind of broken because all of a sudden Rad Racer comes up and then yeah. it turns into Tetris. I don't know what's happening. But so that was autographed by the talk real about
0: not Mario. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah talk exactly. about not knowing what you had though when you wrote Mario on it. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. It's like
1: oh, so,
2: I mean that's that's what's fascinating to me about about collecting was like we said about it before about like the Flintstones game and stuff like yeah. that is um, a lot of people like th- it's not. It's not like somebody buying like the rarest ele- you know elephant tusk in the world, or right. it's like this ornate gold uh, piece of furniture that you know was to- toiled away thousands of hours. Like stadium events, right here, it has a price tag stuck on the side. This is ten ninety nine. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's like, right. yeah. 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 You, said, like, you saw I that. I love that part of my stadium <laughs> event. It's so awesome. Yeah. I, re- I really think that's fascinating. Yeah. That it's not. It's not like this is you know something that thousands of people worked on for thousands of hours. This is something that's just like. It just existed in very such a small quantity. It was Wait, very uh, special uh, to a what very what small. What
0: Nintendo game sold for ten ninety nine? Well, this <laughs> like, is so. What? This
2: was
1: from a rental store. Okay. Uh, so there's a sticker on the So that's the, the rental back. sticker yeah. price. Yeah. Well, no. Uh, yeah. yeah. So they they sold off their inventory. Got but Yeah. It. I okay. mean, that's a good point because in video games, and this is. The thing that's kind of annoying, and some people think, "Well, this might lead to a crash or whatever," is the most expen. In most cases, the most expensive games are the rarest and also the worst. Yeah, right. (laughs) And so it's like like GI Joe number two in the comics. That comic was terrible, but it was like rose in price. And you know, you look at the games that are really high up there on the NES. It's like Caltron Six and One. Like that game, that's not even a game. Cheetah Men. Yeah, Cheetah Men. It's broken. You can't finish (laughs) it. Right. There's all these things that are weird about those titles. Well, but because
2: if Cheetah Man sold 10 million copies, then there'd be 10 million Cheetah Men or Cheetah Man's, I don't know how that Cheetah works. Cheetah Man's, yeah, <laughs> let me show you my Cheetah Man's. Um,
1: <laughs> so they, uh, yeah, and it's like, if it sold well, then we everybody here, but I think that's gonna be the, the weird thing, it's like, it's the one that you need to fill the space. Yeah. Right. Or, or check that last box and there'll always be collectors, but at, at some point it just becomes insurmountable, And you can see that in like NES and super Nintendo pricing. You know, they're all, they'll be the thing that's really expensive. Whatever's, two or three steps away from that Mm -hmm. will start rising too because um people are like oh i can't get like mountain bike racer speed racer on super nintendo i'm gonna go for the next best yeah super turkin 2 or something right Mm -hmm. and so you kind of keep moving down the list and then you see these like spikes because people are like oh i thought i could get bonks on nes cheap and now it's 800 yeah like, what happened yeah right
0: yeah so uh i'm curious why some of the um some of your collection didn't dip over to buying japanese versions of some of these games like mega man 4 for example yeah. there are only eight carts in existence that are gold for right. the people who won the make a boss champion like mm-hmm. competition they had uh, a big thing
1: for me was uh replicating the experience i had when i walked into a store Mm. Um, and it was seeing, like, all the boxes either front or side, and that's actually the reason I collect boxes as well Mm -hmm. because, like, you never saw loose carts, right? It was always the box. That's right. You never saw loose carts. Yeah, uh, and so, uh, you know, I I liked having the boxes, and when I, you know, my family and I uh, took trips to Asia, and I would see these things like, oh, that's really cool and exotic, but uh, it just had a little bit less of appeal. I think the only system that I've gone and gotten more Japanese games is probably PC Engine okay. um, because okay. I really like. It was around that time, you know, I was becoming, uh, you know, I was a teenager, and I went to Asia and I played a ton of PC Engine stuff before the Turbo Graphics came out. So that was like my first experience with that system. And so mm-hmm. it's, you know, finding Darius Alpha and, and and the really rare like special editions. Sure, um, I'll get those. But then yeah, um, you know, for Famicom, I'll pick. You know, I got Punch Out like the gold the gold cart, out, yeah, yeah. there's a fun like story
0: behind that one how did that one come into existence again I think I forget that was a, that was a contest a, that was also a contest yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm, Okay.
1: but yeah so you know I have I have some of that stuff um, but yeah. yeah trying to complete full collections or anything on in Japan I yeah, there's a language barrier as well I, right? I find it
2: I find it very fascinating and I completely agree about the the, uh, the sort of putting putting the box art on a pedestal because it it, w- it is sort of a lost art now yeah and I do feel and you know I you know, we work for IGN, and uh, to find out if a game's good or bad, you come here and you read about it. And may- maybe you read a review, maybe you formulate your own opinion because we've got thousands of hours of media and trailers and screenshots and previews to read and watch and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But back then, you just had you walk into a store and you're <laughs> like, "Man, I hope these stadium events are good." Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. you and walked and, out, and that was it. And you were yeah. like, "Dad, can I get this?" You know. Um, and that, that's kind of gone away. And this, uh, I kind of want to parry that to my next question is mm-hmm. sort of we're watching the 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 death of tangible media. Yep. Right. And I, I think that in, in many ways it uh, puts more and more of an emphasis on um, collectors like you and your passions and, and what you've done mm-hmm. so far. But it also uh, decreases the amount of people like you going forward. Right. Um, and I do see – uh, there's two sides to the coin when something like Earthbound comes out for the Wii U, right? It comes out for a virtual console. Um, obviously, there's an entire generation of people who have never played that game before who are going to play it for the very first time. Mm-hmm. But the collector's market suddenly takes a hit, or does it? Like, what is the impact on on things like that happening?
1: Uh, so Earthbound did take a little bit of a hit. Um, you saw kind of some of the values drop, especially cart only. I think that's the one thing, and um, we saw this in the Atari market uh yeah early on where everything complete in box and loose was going up like crazy. And then those people aged out of collecting. Yeah. I think that, you know, you have the, in your 30s, like, I have disposable income. I really want to get whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear some people It's like, oh, my first system was an N64. I'm like, or a PlayStation. I'm like, oh, my God. How we old am I? We interview people like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah It's right. terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> but then... You know, it, then they age out, and so what usually stays up you near know, the top of the market are the really rare things and the complete things, and everything that's loose sort of dropped off. And so I think you saw that with Earthbound. There was no way other way to play it except for an emulator. Yeah. And it's like, okay, now I can I can play you know on the system. Um, it's interesting you make bring up the the switch to digital because um, I switched a while ago. The last disc I actually bought was The Last of Us. I thought it was kind of a good yeah last. CD to buy, um, but everything I bought since then is digital. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most collector's editions really aren't collector's editions anymore. You know, they'll still do mass print runs. Yep. Um, and so, like, you know, I- I'm fine with it being digital. I actually like seeing people play these games. Um, you know, for me, games is not collecting games isn't really an investment. So I'm in a different. I'm in a very different place from a lot of collectors, where you know, like, if something comes out and it drops the market, or like they find a huge, huge palette of EarthBounds, like, I'm not going to be devastated by that because sure. more people will play it. Yeah. Um, but I think for some people, like, looking at these things like an investment, I, I always tell people, don't do that. So this is, this is a
2: personal conquest for you, basically. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, 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 really wanted, cool.
1: yeah, I wanted to have these, and, in, in, uh, you know, we are talking before the, the show... Um, the vast majority of my collection is going to be donated to the Video Game History Museum, um, Strong Museum of Play, especially the yes. paper stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Library of Congress is doing some interesting things, especially with, like, they just announced the Duke Nukem PSP source code they just came yeah. across. Um, so it's stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll sell things, like, here and there uh, at game conventions and it's more just talking with people
2: and seeing yeah. what their passions are. No, that's fascinating. Yeah. That's I mean, I feel like the uh, the... You know the the Simpsons comic book guy is sort of the he's the the bad stereotype that ruined it for a lot of collectors. But you know as we can see today they yeah you're not all like that. Well, yeah. it's it's really
1: competitive. I think now you know uh, we kind of moving to how you are how to be a collector now. Mm-hmm. You know the thing for me that was a huge benefit that doesn't really work as well now is. Everybody knew I collected games. And so I would just get people calling me up, like, Oh, I got this big box of games, do you want it? And, you know, they would just hand over this box of games or, you know, I, I had the means to be able to buy out people who were getting out of collecting. And you mentioned like the collect the collector versus hoarder. Yeah. I've definitely bought um, collections that were crazy. Like, that one I called a collection of best intentions, and the reason I called that is an entire garage full of bins, just all bins of systems and games, and I opened up a bin, and all it was, it was, I think, 30 Atari 5200s in this ginormous bin. And like Like six six rats. Well, no, yeah, like dead skeletons. (laughs) But the thing was, on every one was this piece of uh, masking tape that said, what was wrong with the system? So, at one point, he was thinking, I will repair these systems. I will rehabilitate them. The intentions. Yeah. Oh, right. and, yeah. And, but yeah, yeah, yeah. never got around to it, right? Of course, and so it's just, that's impossible. Yeah. Okay. It, why, and why would you do that yeah. for a 5200? So yeah. I think that you know, it, people know that you're a collector. Things will probably come your way, mm-hmm. right? And now there's a lot more, so there's going to be a lot more competition on that. Um, but I think it's, it's still good advice, right, yeah. letting people know that you collect. Um, because now... Because of things like Twitter and, and, you know, my participation in news groups, people will offer me stuff that we've never seen for sale before. Okay. So.
0: How, uh, so let's go through a few more yeah. of these. How yeah. did you acquire the Stadium Events?
1: Uh, so Stadium Events was my, uh, my white whale for a long time. It was the last game I needed for, okay. NES. for um, yeah, NES. For a complete NES, 700-something. Yeah, for right? In in box. Box. I had everything but this. But yeah, I had everything wow. boxed except for this. And so um, I knew someone who had it. Uh, and I basically just made him a, uh, an offer. Uh, yeah, okay. know, I said, "Hey, you know, this is the last one I need. Here's a, here's a dollar amount, mm-hmm. and then like sell it to me." All right? And we did some negotiation. And, and so,
2: on average, what do stadium events go for these days?
1: Uh, complete in box it hasn't really been sold in a while. Um, I think the discussion was somewhere in like the fifteen thousand to seventeen thousand range. I mean, the box is really hard to find, and yeah. the cart alone has been jumping faster than i expected i think it was you know just a year or two ago it was you know 1300 cart now it's hitting like 3000 so um mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's a lot to pay for a piece of cardboard but it was also
0: not out for very long so yeah. i also yeah. really respect that you are the complete in box guy versus i've always thought carts alone are just the worst way to go and you yeah. see a lot in yeah. japan i love going to japan because japan is very meticulous in terms of quality and the used game shop like they right on the front like you know i have a friend who will translate but will tell me hey like the manual is bent on one page or something like that yeah yeah, they they grade it catalog a b c d all that stuff is all that stuff stuff but um when i see the cart only and there's plenty and there's some people who come over from the west uh with me who like just oh cart's good enough i'm like no it's not (laughs) i was like absolutely not i will not just play the game if you just want to play the game loose is fine Right, yeah. and
1: and especially like Japanese games, you go
0: to. But that's Aki the thing. Off. I never just want to play the game. Yeah, I want to see the play. manual. I yeah. want to see the inserts. I want to like. I. That's why I'm very selective with the games I go after. Right. But I always make sure. Okay, complete in box. Like this is what I want, and then I tell my friend translate that. Right. Yeah. That's I want.
2: that's part of all of it to me. I, I mean, just even flipping through those manuals is part of that. Like, I, you, I really oh, yeah, you yes. talk about how you yeah. you know you you buy these games in box because when you're a kid, that's the association you have. Right. And the manual is all part of it, and obviously. That's another dead thing these yeah. days. It doesn't uh-huh. even exist. When you bought The Last of Us, it probably came with a piece of paper that said, yeah. you know, it had a picture of a middle finger on it. Yeah.
0: It's like, uh, <laughs> Learn how to play. We have a tutorial built into game. Yeah, the game. Why would you need a mode. manual? Right? The, yeah. yeah. And so, you don't have to. they it. build in home, home like menus, like right. electronic digital ones. Have you seen those? Actually, actually, yeah. It's, it's I, not like, the You same don't get enemy. this like
1: Birdo's a transsexual thing Like, no. it's in the manuals. Like, None of that I, I,
0: anymore. I do
2: like what Nintendo's doing now with Virtual Console stuff where you can kind of go through and flip through the original manuals. Yeah,
0: the Game Boy Advance stuff. They've been doing that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's Which a way to cool. flip through. Yeah, it even has old ads like the Game Boy Players in yeah. there. And I'm just yeah. wondering if someone's looking at this going, Mom, what's a Game Boy Player? <laughs>
1: I don't know. Mom, yeah. what's a Game Boy? <laughs> what's a Game Boy? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, so you also have uh, Donkey Kong Country, uh, what is that? Oh, competition. the competition. Yes. Yeah. What's up yeah. with this one? I, I don't know anything about this one. All right, so this is
1: a, it was used in PowerFest 94, which is kind of Nintendo's college competition uh, that came later. Yep. And then also used in the Blockbuster Championships 2. Uh, so it's kind of an edited version of Donkey Kong Country. A couple levels are missing, but it's a five-minute timer, and it's collect as many points as possible. So it's like bananas and throwing... Uh, the barrels and things like that. And so on YouTube, but you can find like speed runs and distance runs and things like that. Like how far can you get before, you know, and so what happens at five minutes, it just freezes and you just capture the score. So uh, that was used in the blockbuster competition. And then afterwards they sold it in the Nintendo power uh, merch catalog. So I think it was like $45 um, at the time. And they only made 2,500 of them. So you know, it was like, hey, here's this one that was you that you played in the competition.
2: Well, and it was that little catalog that came with some issues, right? Yeah, it was like exactly. A separate yeah, thing. yeah, right,
1: right. Yeah, so yeah, it's I like have, you I know the hat, that. the stupid hats, yep. and, and all that yep. stuff.
2: And so that you know that was
0: really what they and used. And just to describe so. this for folks, like this is in what essentially looks like a blockbuster video rental box, right? It's green. Right? Yeah. It's green. Yeah. It has a wraparound with a Donkey Kong Tree Blockbuster Video Game Championship Two, Donkey Kong swinging by on a vine. Diddy Kong is all the way in the top right corner, and I'm gonna open this. As carefully as I can, and yeah, competition cartridge. Is yeah, so it's not for resale the top, right. on the
1: top. Um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a full fledged release. That you, it's pretty rare to find it with the case mm-hmm. um, and you know if you're looking to collect it be, be wary people have redone like the insert and the case um, yeah. oh you can know. you spot a fake like nobody's business well uh, you know you it, it's that? getting harder I mean I think especially because the case and the insert are so generic like you can tell yeah. like an inkjet printed one versus you know this one actually sure like printed printed <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but you definitely need to be careful on that you know, sure, sure labels and stuff have you ever picked up a fraud by mistake um, most of the t- I, I mean I pretty much only bought from other collectors that
0: I, I trusted okay um, so that's another piece of advice for people yeah like,
1: i think the big thing i mean this is once again i'm lucky because i was collecting this stuff a long time ago mm-hmm. right and so there was no fake right it was all whatever was was legitimate mm-hmm. so but yeah nowadays um you know be really careful um if you're gonna spend you know some sometimes people are like oh why would you fly out to see that person it's like you're going to give them thousands of dollars and the plane ticket's 300 bucks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, go out there and yeah. do the thing.
2: Definitely. This yeah. is really fascinating because it actually says in the back, you know, Nintendo minted only 2,500 of this special edition. Yeah. Really cool thing at the bottom too, it says the score to beat from the pros at Nintendo, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> A lot of dots. 3,641. So they actually put the Nintendo high score on here to beat, which is really fascinating. Oh, yeah. 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 And that's how it was. I mean, they also did that with the Star Fox competition card.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I've heard of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, So then these next three things on the table, I the minute you told me about them, I was like, No, really? (laughs) I've never even seen seen these. Heard of this at all? So how did you discover these exactly? And so these are three 3ds's, a DS, a DSi and a DSi XL, but they are all prizes. Lite, yeah. Oh yeah, DS yeah. Lite, thank yeah. you. Not, not the DS Fat. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are all specially customized as part of a prize for the Pokemon World Championship.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, so these, the 2008 is the first year they did it. Um, and as part of, uh, so Pokemon World Championships is really an event that's a global competition um, and they compete in both the trading card game and the video game. That's right. There's a lot more trading card game players, obviously, than, than video game. And as part of the prize package, the top finishers... Uh, got, you know, all the prizes, the scholarships and everything else, and a custom DS Lite in 2008. Uh, So how we found out about this is someone took a picture of it. uh, uh, They displayed it as, like, next to the trophy and everything. And it's like, what is that? And then, like, okay, that's a custom one. And then you read the prize list. It's like custom DS Lite. And, you know, the light went off in my head, like, all right, well, I know what NWCs are worth. I'm in an the Nintendo Championship cards. Yeah. I'm going to try to pursue these. So I, I bought one from one of the winners. Um, so, how, each, how many winners for? Yeah, uh, so top 32 of three age groups in the card game and top eight finishers in two groups for the video game. So 112 total.
0: Oh, right so yeah. even if
1: you played in the card game competition you got yeah one of so these. That, that and okay. in fact um, every one of these I've gotten is from a card there's no difference but um, I got them all from card winners uh, not from the video game winners. Maybe so I was like, figured hell no yeah you can't can't have have my idea. Idea. well you I mean even <laughs> most of the co- the I mean the competitors this is the Pokemon worlds and this is like your memento from that yeah uh, right so That's right. you know it, it's well, it, not, not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Well, I can't <laughs> now it's it. I Steven's momentum? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's right.
1: I mean, this is like like looking in a phone book, but this is more. The internet makes it easier. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. So the DS Lite came out, and I thought it was a really cool design. It, it's actually uh, the first ones. Uh, well, they're all done by Colorware, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, it's really bright, vibrant, and the the logo was cool. You know, I I have so many custom or. Uh, Special edition like Game Boy, Game Boy Colors, and everything they have Pokemon and Mega Man and everything on them. So I knew I wanted to get this one. So I I ended up buying it. um, And then I was like, okay, they're definitely going to do it the next Mm -hmm. year, right? So in the lead up, I'm looking at the website. They said, yes, custom DSi. And so I set up like eBay saved searches, um, everything I could, you know, kind of looking for winners lists as soon as they would publish. And then this one came up, uh, I think, a week after it ended. Uh, the competition ended, and, I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was listed very well in terms of uh, – because most people don't know they exist. That's right? right. And so, I, you know, the bidding wasn't too bad. And then, of course, with the, the XL, same thing. Yeah. Um, the thing that really frustrated me was in the next year, 2010 – or 11 – the 3DS came out so i'm like of course they're going to make a 3DS one yeah but they didn't. Oh, they didn't they just said we'll give you a 3DS and so that was kind of the end of the train so just a regular
2: 3DS yeah so they just gave yeah. out a regular 3DS i'm like
1: how come on you done this like 3 <laughs> years in a row
2: like <laughs> I, by, by then you had your pokemon kid costume to sneak yeah. into the tournament right, you beat everybody right, right, for right. real actually no I, I would be rip in the, off the disguise at right, the end and be like I would Aha, be, i'm a collector <laughs> i'd be in
1: the po- i'd be in the pikachu outfit and like i would <laughs> do doing the doing the like he'd pose for a photo on right, the other yeah page. Exactly, Rich
0: yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Reaching the, into the bag, taking the out. The tail is the animatronic and going into the
1: bag to rip
0: out the... Beat. So just uh, describe uh, yeah. some of these so for him, though Because the sure. 2000... So wait, 2008, 2009, right. 2010. Uh, 2008 has a very... 2009, excuse me, has a... Well, actually, that's oh, the yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so yeah, 8 is, uh, is orange.
1: Um, and it's got Pikachu and World Championships in the corner. Um, when you open it up, it's it's also
0: colors on oh, the wow. inside. So there's... Yeah. A white D-pad, white buttons, um, most of the inside, frames on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, white frames right. on the screen, very very rad. Anybody and I don't know, if have I have have we seen this
2: orange in other? In other DS's? like no. this is one of the we. This orange looks like it's it, it. So if you can't see it at home, it's basically like a traffic cone orange. It's yeah. Very bright, very yeah. loud.
0: And it's got a Pikachu in the corner and Pokemon uh, Trading Card Game yeah. World Championships 2008. Did they write uh, Pokemon video game? No, World no, it says Trading Card. Says Trading yeah. Card, regardless of who won. Okay. Right. And then so uh, that was the first year they did
1: it. The next year it was in San Diego. So mm-hmm. it's a blue and white system. It's a much bigger graphic. It's got uh, Pikachu on. a... A, a windsurfing thing um, and it uh this uh, you know, when you open it up, it, it there's two different colors in there.
0: Oh wow! Um, you know what's interesting though, because uh, with the 3DS, I think with the XL in Japan, mm-hmm. they're sort of playing around with these yeah, color schemes they're mixing schemes. colors, they're mixing right. colors mm-hmm. and doing like white and. or yeah. There was a black and orange and a blue and white or blue and black, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So the inside, it's a white bottom uh, for the bottom screen. The whole set is white. The top screen is all blue. Right. And uh, yeah, the graphic is really rad. Look at that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's really yeah. so, you awesome. Know, Pikachu and a bunch
1: of other like you yeah. Know, characters. Yeah, and again,
0: the label Pokemon: the craziest tr- yeah. vacation of their lives. Right, right. Well, yeah. they like, yeah,
1: San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the the next year they did it um, was in Hawaii, and mm-hmm. uh, this graphics is much harder to see because it's basically silver paint on yellow.
0: Is it also um, colorware? You mentioned. colorware. Uh, yeah, so maybe this also, is a so... colorware
1: as well. Um, okay. Actually, you know what? I don't I don't think this one's colorware. Oh um, wow. Yeah. So the, they they kind of cheaped it. out. Maybe that's why they didn't do
0: it again. So you know
1: things like the World Championship. Logo is not in color yeah. as it was before. Mm-hmm. It's still cool. You know, Pikachu's yeah, got like a lay and a little hula skirt. Yeah, a hula
0: yeah. skirt. And you have, uh, let's see, you have starters from uh, that gen or uh, from a previous gen there. Totodile. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. So Very the, nice. Yeah, this was and on the inside, yellow. Wow. It's all yeah. yellow. Super all yellow. yellow. Yeah. Um, Very Pikachu. Yep. Wu Tang colors. <laughs> yes. Yeah, actually, colors. I was going to say that. It is the Wu Tang colors. Yeah. Have you ever checked the serial numbers to see if there's anything special? I noticed the serial numbers are still on these two. Or yeah. They just...
2: uh,
1: I think they're just off the shelf colorware Okay, they just got send color. Color wear a bunch of them and, like, yeah. customize these um, and,
0: wow. and do the color. It's interesting because uh the next Pokemon World Championships is coming up. It's this month. Yeah. And uh, it just makes me sad. They're not doing this anymore. Well, maybe yeah. they bring it back. Well, they did uh, it in Vancouver. So you'll I be went watching. The, yeah, I went, so I went to
1: um, <laughs> Vancouver last year uh, and I was hoping, like, oh, please, they come back with a new system. They didn't do it. I, uh-huh. And uh, it, it, you, we were talking earlier... The Number of carts, right? Mm-hmm. Like 90 grays given out and 26 goals. so It's 120, you know, 116. And then with these, there's 112. It seems like be this magic number for them where it's like, okay, you know, this is about how many are going to be given out for these. Um, and, you know, always on the lookout whenever they do a competition, seeing if they do anything um, special. Uh, one of the things I started picking up. Uh, for a while, was the custom Xbox 360s and PS3s yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that they would give out at like Comic Con and things like that. Right. So I have some with like Watchmen and nice. um, uh, Domino's Pizza did uh, the Batman, the the Joker, and the Batman. Um, so there's a lot of things. Did you like- stop
2: that? Because I think there were eight custom Xbox Ones at Comic Con two weeks ago. Oh, uh, was- so
1: I didn't. I don't. I don't have any custom. I have the the white that I made this uh, Xbox One, but I don't have. How'd you get that? But there were a bunch that showed up as soon as they gave them out to I don't even know why I'm questioning you yeah I mean yeah I think like, as soon as you see one for now actually yeah the, the at Comic-Con they did like yeah they had the Nerdist one and like they were giving out a yeah. bunch so I don't have, I I haven't seen any of those go up yet, um, and I don't think I'm actually going to get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like I, I'm more focused on more of the classic stuff. But, yeah, for a long time it was, like, competition stuff. I think the weirdest 360 I have is uh, one of them given out to Tyreek Evans of the Sacramento Kings. It's by 2K, and it's a briefcase, and it opens up, and there's a screen and
0: everything inside wow. there. And
1: it's it's all customized to him. It's all Kings colors, like all the blue and black. Nice. And he, he autographed the top.
0: So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Through all this uh, collection talk, I guess I never bothered to ask if yeah. you ever were someone who tried to pursue getting things signed. Uh, I have a, a
1: couple signatures. Or does uh, that
0: just devalue a lot uh, of things?
1: <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, if, for
0: me, it, it's very cool to meet like yeah. the creators of Just because your collection is very personal. Yeah, so yeah. So, I, yeah. I mean,
1: I do have – some. Um, I think the most prized signed thing I have is I have an original Super Mario Bros. Uh, box. That's autographed by Koji Kondo and uh, Miyamoto. Holy oh, man! So, yeah, and one's in silver ink, one's in uh, gold ink, and nice. so they both—oops—you think—they uh, both really pop out. And that—that yeah. that for me is a, a huge uh, treasure because you know, yeah, Miyamoto oh, and you know Miyamoto even drew this little Mario on it, mm-hmm. and was, it's really, really exciting time for me.
0: Very <sighs> rad. All right. So we're going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, we have one more thing to talk about, actually. Thank you so much, by the way, for bringing in uh, the collection and sharing all this stuff. Uh, Actually, really quickly, maybe three quick tips for anyone who's sort of looking into collecting. I mean, you've shared a bunch of knowledge so Mm -hmm. far. Just putting that out there.
1: Yeah, uh, I think looking into collecting, obviously letting people know uh, that you're a collector, uh, knowing more than everybody else. Uh, so knowing prices off the top of your head, not having to check your phone, um, because as much as, for instance, even I know about games, sometimes I'll price things wrong, right? And it's, sometimes you'll have to go through hundreds of games to find that mispriced game, um, but just, you know, keeping that knowledge uh, in your head. And then I think just figuring out what you want to collect, right? Don't, I, I think that if you're more focused, um, you can learn a lot more about that, and you really can make it part of, like, a personal passion rather than just a checklist.
0: Got it. All right. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we have some more uh, impressions of Bayonetta for you. you are walking. All right, and we're back. Thank you very much for being patient. Uh, Last thing I want to talk to you both about was uh, Bayonetta, Bayonetta 2. So you came back with, uh, Brian, you came back with impressions from Comic-Con. It turns out I got to play it this week. And let me tell you. You did a little better than me? Not just that. Oh yeah, I got. Uh, got better than Stone. Yeah, yeah, he hey, got Stone. <laughs> do yes. oh, that's Come good on. High fivings
2: right in my face. Uh, I no, but I didn't. First time, you know, I'll be better someday. Just okay. you know, you don't. You I love don't the worry first game.
0: It. I've uh, I've said before, the first Bayonetta I feel was the best uh, character action game of last generation. Yeah. Blew the doors off of anything else I thought was really out there. Um, this one it is it is amazing I so I got to play through they let us jump around from chapter one through chapter four This time they didn't skip cutscenes. They let us actually watch everything But then they tell you gave us a list of things. We we're not allowed to tell people that we saw um, But I will say that as far as combat fluidity Just outrageous action like this game nails it on every front like, I have not I've not walked out of a demo that excited in a while um, and I don't know if it's just because I'm not attending enough demos, but um, <laughs> it it really um, it really blew me away in terms of like the scale of the boss fights. In terms of there was this one moment where you're kind of walking through this sleepy town. There's all these muted colors. It's dark. I was showing this clip to Steven. You walk up to the door and it says open. And you press the prompt like you do in every game to open it, yeah. and she kicks down a church to make a bridge. <laughs> she kicks it once at a church. Is, <laughs> it's open now, and she goes across. Uh, but yeah, no combat-wise, I I just can't. I, I've, I've run out of. I can't run out of good things to say about it.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited for it. And for the same reason that you can go in there and you can be great at it, I'm not great at it, and that's why I want it because I want to improve in it. And I love action games like that that aren't. It didn't feel like it was that punishing. That was. It was just like no way, I'm out. There's no way I can handle this. It felt like it was just like the hook was just there enough for me to keep playing it and get better Mm -hmm. and better in it, which I think is like it's perfect for a game like that. And I, I actually like. I got over. Not got over, but I guess I got used to the fact that it is completely insane. It's weird how quickly your brain can just be like, oh, this is normal now. <laughs> From going like, oh, wait, she's fighting people with her hair and she's a witch and she's got guns on her feet and she fights these monsters that she chops well, and She's adhesives. also
0: taking on these, like, absolutely crazy poses, these sensational poses. Yeah. The whole, I mean, it is. We can is, a nod to the camera and then yeah, something crazy. Yeah, yeah right? all the time. she's fighting the most grotesque things you've ever seen. Oh, and, and it's it. all about performance and it's like the camera, she is the center of attention at all times. And the camera is capturing every moment of what she's doing. Yeah. And she's completely aware of that and it's interesting to see a game just sort of toy with that cuz you're constantly being graded as we brought up last podcast sure. with you know what happened with you um yeah we bring that up a lot we do yeah no we do well no when it comes out i'm really i'm really excited to uh to play more of it we have a preview going up on the site uh steven you'd played the first game i mean are you a big fan as well or? yeah
1: well i've been trying to stay away from news about the game because i think that's what i really liked about the first one was i didn't know what was coming up and it's like oh wow it's like afterburner and like all of a sudden all these like little nods um, yes using yeah, the yeah. font like the super hang-on font for the motorcycle scene and things like that so I, I'm hoping that I'm surprised. You know, I, I saw the the um, Bowser fist come in, in in the remake of the first Bayonetta. I'm like, okay, I need more of that. Like, I want more of that, and I don't. I want to be surprised when I'm playing it. But you know what you showed me, and then uh, just the some of the footage that I've caught. I think it looks amazing, and it, it kind of reminds me of when you first picked up Soul Calibur on the Gen- or the uh, Dreamcast. Yeah, like you could do all the specials and like the swords and everything flying around and and you feel like you're doing a ton of damage, but then you realize there's a much deeper game behind that and uh, you know, we were watching someone dodge through the legs of a monster and all that other it's like, okay. <laughs> if you want to get that, that was not pure platinum, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want to get that pure platinum, you really have to know the game way more than kind of button mashing your way through. And yeah. I think that's that's really interesting to me and, and it's definitely yeah, some you, one ha- of the you have to not get hit once yeah, to I don't, get a pure platinum. I mean, it's that Japanese bullet hell thought, yeah, right? It's yeah, like, yeah, you gotta, yeah, it you gotta it play it and, and get Which through.
2: is sort of like I look at that and I'm like, all right, I'll never get that good. Right. But I, I think will, you could. You, I, 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 you I, might be able to
1: get yeah. to a
0: precious metal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Other than just a dirty
1: yeah. rock. Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: Pretty much. No, I, th- I think you can and I think also they're very aware of that A normal, at least from what we played through those four chapters, it feels like it was easy enough to jump into but still sort of just at the cusp of being too hard to master yeah. but I do know and this was true of the first Bayonetta. the further you get in the harder it's gonna get so you know the later half of that game I would not be surprised if on, even on normal it's gonna be a challenge um, but there are other difficulties to play on and I guess that's the question too like if you're someone who's interested but maybe you're scared you don't have the skills like do you take the ego bump and just go ah I'll play on the next level I'm okay with the ego bump I mean I yeah.
1: put a couple games on easy just because oh, yeah. want to. I, I don't to have the time it?
0: I, do, I, I, I yeah. do the same yeah. thing yeah. And, I, like, I don't really okay. mind doing yeah.
2: that sometimes. I mean, See,
0: it's... I'm st- I still got the pride, man. Really? Like, yeah, I don't know. I haven't shaken... Every time it has come... The, actually, I've only done it Nightmare. once. Catherine. Uh. Catherine was the only time that I went down uh, to Easy because everyone who I've spoken to said, don't play on it anymore. You're going to get frustrated and you're not going to want to play it anymore. Yeah. And I went through on Easy and was able to experience it. But outside of that, I have not done it ever. See,
2: well, you you still review games. I don't review games. So for me, it's okay if I just want to finish something to be able to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't feel like I need to put myself through the vigor of dying a billion times and... Coming, becoming angry, throwing my controller and stuff like that. Um, I'm, a, you know, I don't, I don't need that in my life right now. No. Okay. I All play right. games to have fun. Yeah. Not, yeah. Th-
1: not to throw a controller. No, Unless uh, I'm
2: playing Trials Fusion, which
1: yes. I, I and, like throwing controllers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. Thank you very much for listening to Nintendo Voice Chat. We are a weekly podcast on IGN, uh, but we're not the only thing on IGN. We also have great articles, features, news, previews, a lot of video content. You should definitely come check it out. Uh, you can come here to find my Bayonetta preview impressions. Uh, and we also have a video preview going up with that as well. Uh, On top of that, if you really like and support the show, or even if you just have feedback, either email us at nvc at ign.com, or head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing, what you think of the show. Steven, thank you very much for coming in. If folks want to follow you on Twitter, how can they find you? I'm at at Stephen P. Lin on Twitter. Okay. You can also follow Brian at Agent Bizzle. And you can follow myself, Jose underscore Otero, on Twitter. Thank you very much again for listening, and we will see you next week.